Uh, Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be tonight, kind of as a jumping off point. Uh, I love that we have the opportunity this year to go out into the nursing homes and the assisted livings and do our widows and shut-ins and, and sing the music of Christmas, share the joy of Jesus with the community. Now, as I was thinking about caroling, and Mr. Bowling uh, and I were working through some of this this week, it uh, reminded me, really, about the, su- the substance and significance of the songs of the Christmas season. You know, there's nothing wrong with the fun songs, right? You got, you got Rudolph, and you got uh, Frosty, and you got Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Uh, that's a great one. <laughs> nothing wrong with the fun songs. But you know what? Those don't hold a candle to the songs that fill my heart and soul with Jesus. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of them. A lot of really great Christmas songs. Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read beginning in verse number 8. The Bible says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. And it came to pass that as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. You know, you think about even that portion. Think about all the Christmas songs that are written about just that. We've got Go Tell It on the Mountain. We've got Hark the Herald Angels Sing. We've got the first Noel. We've got Away in a Manger. We've got Angels from the Realm of Glory. We've got It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. Oh, come all you faithful. All of those songs reference the beautiful story of Luke chapter 2. So tonight, I want us to think about this. The gift that keeps on giving, the music of Christmas. The gift that keeps on giving... The music of Christmas. And I want us to be reminded about the blessing of music, and especially music about our Savior. So let's have a word of prayer together. Father, I pray that as we look at your word tonight, I ask that you'd help us to have open hearts and attentive hearts that we might hear and heed all that you have for us. Lord, I thank you for this church. And Father, I pray that in these next few moments that you would meet with us and that by your spirit you would speak to us in a direct and powerful way and that you'd make us more like Jesus. We ask these things in his name. Amen. So let's think about this. The gift that keeps on giving, the music... Of Christmas. Number one tonight, if you're taking notes, think about this. Music has great power and purpose. Music has great power and 
purpose. Let me talk about some of the things that music does for us and to us. Number one, I thought about this, that music focuses our heart on the Lord and it lifts us to spiritual heights. Now, of course, we're talking about music about Jesus. We're talking about true, scriptural, biblical Christian music. What does it do? It focuses our heart on the Lord and it lifts us to spiritual heights. Now, doesn't music have a way of grabbing and focusing our attention? You think about the chaos of this world wants to really pull us apart at every scene. But what does godly music do? Godly music helps us focus in on what really matters. Some people ask, why do we start our service with music? Well, why wouldn't we start our service with music? Psalm 100, verses 1 and 2, I love these scriptures. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. What are we to do? Come before his presence with singing. And so why do we start our services with music? Well, you know what music does? It helps to focus our heart and it lifts us to spiritual heights. And isn't that a great way to start the service? If i got to start the service thinking about well, what am I going to do for lunch and boy, the preacher's been on point number two for a long time and, and this and this and this and I wonder if the person in front of me put on deodorant and I don't know, I shook hands with that guy and I don't think he brushed his teeth. We're not worried about any of that, amen? What do we do? We come in and we sing because I want my heart to be focused on Jesus. And when my heart is focused on Jesus, what does it do? It helps me love my brothers and sisters in Christ. It helps me then listen to the sermon and, and be spoken to by the Spirit. That's why we start our services with music. But by the way, that's why it's important why you engage in the music. Some people... Uh -huh. The song leader's up here going, To God be the glory. And they're going... Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> see that, everyone? You don't think I see, but I see. I see. And then we go home and we go, I didn't really get a whole lot out of church today. Maybe because you didn't put a whole lot into it. You know what? That's why we start. That's why it's important we engage. That's why you think Mr. Wyrick gets up here and does what he does on Sunday mornings because he loves acting that way all the time? No, what's he trying to do? He's trying to engage us all in worshiping the Lord. Because that's one of the powers of music, to focus our hearts on Jesus and to lift us above the dysfunction of the world. Music has great power and purpose. It has the power to focus our heart on Jesus and lift us to spiritual heights. Music also facilitates, this is another thing I thought about, music also facilitates the expression of our heart and provides an outlet for worship. It facilitates the expression of our heart and provides an outlet for worship. You know, sometimes it's just hard to find the words. Anybody ever been there? Hard to find the words. But isn't that one of the beautiful things about music? Is it provides an expression for the words we can't find. All of that love and worship and adoration and gratitude and hope and peace that we have in Jesus. Boy, music has a way of just letting us let it out. Now, I do think it's important to mention that emotion cannot be in charge. You get in trouble when you do that. 
But we also have to remember that emotion, while it can't be in charge, emotion has its place. Charles Spurgeon, the famous preacher, said when the heart is in its right state, it must praise God. It cannot be restrained. It, it utterances leap forth as waters, forcing their way from a living springs. I love the songs that you just feel. There's one based on Revelation 4.11. We'll put the verse up there. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. I love that chorus. Thou art worthy, thou art worthy, thou art worthy, O Lord. We'll stop right there. Another one. Worthy of worship. We sing, oh, you just feel it. Great is thy faithfulness. You ever been going through a hard time? And the song leader says, we're going to sing, great is thy faithfulness. Or maybe it is well. It is well with my soul. See, that's one of the powers and purposes of music is it, it provides, it facilitates an expression of our heart. <clears throat> and provides an outlet for our worship. Music focuses our heart on the Lord and it lifts us to spiritual heights. By the way, well, I'll come to that later. Music facilitates the expression of our heart and provides an outlet for our worship. Let me give you one other thing here in this point. Uh, the power and the purpose of music. Music finds us right where we are and leads us where we need to go. You know, music can meet us in difficult places. You know, a lot of the Psalms that were written were written by David. Many of them were written by David when he was in hiding, when he was running for his life from King Saul. And we find that music, even though David was in a dark place, in a difficult place, emotionally and spiritually and physically, we find that David in his Psalms, which are, which are songs, music met him right where he was. And led him where he needed to go. Psalm 43 and verse 5. David says this. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? <coughs> Excuse me. You see, music, it doesn't ignore the difficult realities. But it points us to the real answers. Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. I love it. Just the verse before, in verse number four, David said, I will go into the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp I will praise thee, O God, my God. You know, one of the Christmas songs, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. That, uh, that song right there was written, I know Pastor Belcher has done a, uh, a, a hymn story on that. But that, uh, that hymn was done in the darkness of the Civil War era where brother fought against brother and the nation was in crisis on the brink of destruction. And yet, though it did not ignore the difficult reality around, that, that song right there, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, it ends with the proclamation that God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. That wrong won't prevail, right will prevail, and peace on earth, good will to men. And so music can meet us in difficult places. You know, this music can also meet us in dark places. 
Think about, you remember King Saul in the Old Testament? King Saul in the Old Testament was under demonic oppression. He was being oppressed and attacked by demons. And what was the cure for that? Well, 1 Samuel 16 and verse 23, and it came to pass that when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand, so Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. So what was the answer for demonic oppression there for Saul? It was music under the Lord. I'll tell people if they're struggling with things emotionally or things like that, what, what are some of the things you can do? Open the curtains, let the light in, and crank up godly music. Turn on clean air, crank it up, and just let it play. Fill your home, fill your mind, fill your heart with God's music. It's a powerful thing. Music has great power and purpose. So what's number one, church, as we consider the gift that keeps on giving? The music of Christmas. Point number one is what? Music has great power and purpose. Number two tonight, let's consider this. Music has always had a prominent place in the celebration of Jesus' birth. <coughs> music has always had a prominent place in the celebration of Jesus' birth. There are a number of places in the Christmas story and the scripture where we, we call them the songs of different people. Now, they may not have been literal songs put to literal music, but they are expressions of, of great emotion and poetry <coughs> and considered by many to be songs. I want to look at Mary's song. You know, Mary had a song. Verse 46 of Luke chapter 1. Mary said this, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. This song actually goes through verse 55 of Luke chapter 1. But you think about Mary. Mary's life had been turned upside down. You think, well, of course Mary sang. She had the special recognition of, of being the earthly mother of Jesus. But sometimes we forget how difficult that was. You think about all of the plans that she had were turned upside down. You think about her reputation was gone. Her family plan with Joseph, gone. Her prospects for a quiet and peaceful life, gone. And yet in the midst of the world, her world being turned upside down, Mary magnified the Lord. You see, her heart was full even in a fractured moment. And so Mary sang, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Mary wasn't the only one with a song. Zechariah had a song. This is John the Baptist's dad. Zechariah had a song. Luke chapter 1, go down to verse 67. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. He hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Zechariah's song runs 
through verse 79 of chapter 1. And while Mary's song was one to magnify the Lord, Zechariah's song was one of adoration. Zechariah had seen God in his power fulfill his promises. And Zechariah blessed and praised the Lord of heaven. Why? Because he's worthy of our praise. Amen? Because God is faithful and true. Amen? And you realize God had promised him something that seemed impossible. Zechariah had doubt. And so he lost his ability to speak. But here's the beautiful thing. Even when God's promises seem impossible, we serve a God with whom nothing is impossible. And so Zechariah sang a song of adoration, praising the Lord because he is faithful and true and God always comes through. We read tonight from Luke chapter 2, the angel song of great joy. Luke chapter 2, really verses 10 through 14, uh, uh, bring unto you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. They sang of great joy. They sang of great peace. Why? Because God's plan is good. Amen? Because God's plan is great. Amen? And because God's plan is guaranteed. Amen? Amen. Mary sang. Zechariah sang. The angels sang. There was even a guy at the end named Simeon. He had a nice little prophecy as well. In Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse number 25, the Bible says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Then he took him up in his arms and blessed God, saying, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Verse 34, he blessed the child and his mother. 34, 35. But Simeon's song was that, hey, he was ready, amen? He was ready. All throughout the Christmas story, we have great and overflowing expressions of joy and of love and of adoration, of hope and of peace. Truly, music has always had a prominent place in the celebration of Jesus' birth. I want you to think of one other thing tonight as we consider the gift that keeps on giving, the music of Christmas. Number one, we saw what, church? That music has great what? Has great power and purpose. We saw, number two, that music has always had a prominent place. Where? In the celebration of Jesus' birth. Number three tonight, very quickly, uh, as we go, music, music about Jesus, music about Christ must be sung from the heart. Amen. 
music about Christ must be sung from the heart. Let me give you two thoughts here tonight as we finish up. First of all, as we sing music about Jesus, and this includes Christmas music, church, we have to be careful to meditate on the meaning. You know, sometimes we get so familiar with something that it becomes rote. It's easy to do that, especially with things that are tradition. Well, I know that one. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and be. I don't even have to think about it. I can do a million other things and my mouth be saying the words. That's not the way to do it. Music about Christ must be sung from the heart. Meditate on the meaning. Hey, some of these things, it's easy to become rote. And if, if it becomes rote, it's easy to become thoughtless. And if it becomes thoughtless, then it's easy to become meaningless. We are to sing not just with the heart, but with the mind meditating on the depth of the meaning. I love 1 Corinthians 14, 15. Hey, we'll get to this next year on Sunday mornings, but we'll look at it now. Paul says, what is it then? He says, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray also. I will pray with the understanding also. He says, I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Boy, so often we allow ourselves to sing without really taking time to understand and comprehend what we are singing. There's so much depth to these songs. Think about this. Grab your hymnal. Grab your hymnal. I got a little bit of time tonight. All right, grab your hymnal. I'm not going to make you sing, but I do want you to grab your hymnal, okay? Look at hymn number 249. We'll start there. Oh, come all ye faithful. Look at the words. Oh, come all ye faithful. Joyful and triumphant. Triumphant. We are overcomers, amen? Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Look at the last verse. Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Jesus, to thee be all glory given. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. Oh, come, let us adore him. Boy, this is a song that magnifies God, doesn't it? It magnifies God for his greatness. And it magnifies God for his fulfilled promise in Jesus. Look at, look at 254. Boy, I love this little chorus. Isn't he? Isn't he beautiful? Beautiful. Isn't he? Prince of peace. Son of God. Isn't he? Look at that second part. Isn't he wonderful? Wonderful, isn't he? Counselor, almighty God. 
Boy, we find here, this is just a song of adoration for the beauty of the Lord. You know, we're told to worship the Lord and the beauty of holiness and His beauty and His glory. Worship Him. What a beautiful song. Adoring the Lord for who He is. 270, we sang it earlier. 270, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Now, here's the cool thing. Charles mentioned this last week. Now, did Jesus come the first time as a king? No, he came the first time as the Lamb of God, as the the suffering servant, as the Savior of the world. So guess what this song really isn't about? Really isn't about Christmas. You know what it's about? It's about when Jesus comes again. Because when he comes again, guess what he's coming as? He's not coming as a lamb this time. He's coming as a lion. Lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus is coming again. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. Verse number three, look at that. No more let sin and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow. Far as the curse is found. Verse four, he rules the world with truth and grace. You know what this is a song about? Boy, this is a song about joy and peace and hope in the lordship of Christ and his promised return. What a powerful song. You know what? This song has a lot to do with what we have to look forward to. Look at a couple more. Eh, one more. 245. 245. O come, O come, Emmanuel. And ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Look at that last verse. O come, desire of nations bind all peoples in one heart and mind. Bid envy, strife, and quarrels cease. Fill the whole world with heaven's peace. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Boy, that's a song of hope, isn't it? That's a song of hope. Christian music has tremendous meaning. Christmas music has tremendous meaning. Meditate on the music of Christ. The music about Jesus, the music about Christ must be sung from the heart. Meditate on the meaning. There is such depth there. One more thought and we're done tonight. Not only should we meditate on the meaning, I think we also have to realize that the singing of Christian music cannot be separated from the Spirit-filled Christian life. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18 says this, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, right after we're told to be filled with the Spirit in verse number 18, look what it tells us in verse 19. 
speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord. Guess what? You cannot separate a spirit-filled life from a song-filled heart. Singing, the singing of these spiritual songs, they go hand in hand with being spirit-filled. Now, grammatically, we could either say that the singing is a result of being spirit-filled, or we could say that maybe it's a means of, of being filled. I believe it can be both. If my life and my heart is full of the Spirit, guess what? He's put a new song in my mouth, hadn't he? Psalm 40 and verse number 3, the Bible says this, He hath put a song in my mouth, even praise to my God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Boy, if the Spirit of God is living and moving and filling me, then my heart is going to be full of song. But we've also seen how music can help change our perspective, our attitude, our place. It can grip us and it can take us where we need to go. By the way, the wrong kind of music can take you where you shouldn't go. Music is a big deal. It's hard to fake a song in your heart. But on the flip side, it's also hard to outrun a song in your head. So what do I do, preacher? Make godly music the norm. Let me go a little farther. Make godly music the priority. Fun is okay. I'm going to tell you there's nothing wrong with grandma got run over by a reindeer. But if we spend more time singing about grandma's unfortunate mishaps than we do about our Savior, something's out of whack. It's hard to fake a song in your heart, but it's hard to outrun a song in your head. Make godly music the norm. Can I say it again? Turn on clean air. Program it in your cars. Put it on in your house. Make godly music the norm. You don't need Mariah Carey to sing you another Christmas song. Make godly music the norm. Amen? Now, we've talked tonight about music. It is one of those gifts of Christmas that just keeps on giving. Music has great power and purpose. Amen? Music has always been a prominent place in the celebration of Jesus' birth. And music about Christ must be sung from the what? From the heart. I love Christmas music and I love the impact it brings. Now, for the record, this does not mean I think you should listen to Christmas music all year round. Don't do that. But I think you should listen to Christian music all year round. And tonight, as we've talked about the music of Christmas, what I hope is that maybe you have a greater appreciation for good, Christ-honoring, biblically-based, scripturally true songs that God has given us to help celebrate the birth of Christ. And a greater appreciation for the power and place that music can have in all of our lives. It truly is one of those gifts that just keeps 
on giving. Let's stand.